Hi everyone, welcome to episode 2 of Wild Gravity Travel Cast. I'm your lead host, Jim, and bringing you the news and special talking point for episode 2 of Wild Gravity Travel Cast. Uh, just want to share a quick bit of personal news first. We are being distributed now on multiple podcast platforms. Hopefully you're listening on one of those or through anchor.fm app. Uh, we're available on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Stitcher at this time. So if you're listening on a different format to hear us or through Anchor FM and you want to use one of those, uh, we are now available on all of those. I posted the link this past week on our Facebook page to all of the different um, links for our podcast on different platforms. We're still waiting as of this recording on Apple Podcasts to come through. Hopefully that will be soon. Apparently they are a tough cookie to crack or break. So we're going to move right into the news uh, from this past week. And there's a couple key news points I want to touch on. Uh, well, a few key news points I want to touch on. Uh, first, Kings Island is getting a massive refurbishment to International Street, and they're calling it the biggest one since 1972, which is when the park opened. Uh, the fountains, there's been pictures that have come out of the fountains sitting on the uh, pavers. The pav- There's pictures of the pavers being ripped apart in certain places, especially where that entrance sign is, where a lot of people like to do that photo op. Uh, the fountains are being worked on. The stage in front of the Eiffel Tower is getting an upgrade, as well as uh, several lighting and fountain upgrades are being promised, and the facades of the buildings. Uh, the quote came from Don, and it was pretty much, uh, no piece of International Street will be left untouched. So we're excited to see what that becomes and what it looks like. Next up, we've got the Islands of Adventure Coaster. Uh, WFTV was the first place I saw it, which is the ABC station down there in Orlando. Um, Islands of Adventure is getting a Jurassic Park-like coaster, it looks like. Uh, permits have been filed, and construction walls have been put up. Uh, next up, Carowinds. We posted a video of a construction tour from Carowinds. Uh, it was B-roll sent to us by Carowinds. We sadly did not make it down there. I want to thank Carowinds for inviting us, uh, but they did send us lots of video to share, and we posted that over on our YouTube page, so be sure to check out the Copperhead Strike B-roll tour from the construction day, uh, tour day. Uh, also, on Saturday, we got a look at the Max Force point of view uh, on ride. That's the new coaster going to Six Flags Great America, and it's, uh, my opinion on that is it's kind of short. The POV only lasts 47 seconds. It is being billed as the fastest acceleration on a coaster ever. It does accelerate faster than King Daka or Top Thrill Dragster or any of the other coasters that are out there that accelerate or launch. Um, so it does have that going for it. It almost looks kind of like, not the layout, but it's kind of short like full throttle. It doesn't go backwards, though. So... We'll have to see if it really becomes that short uh, and what becomes of that. So at this point, we're just kind of waiting on more details for that one. And finally, we have the new Lego Florida, Legoland Florida Hotel. Um, they're doing a pirate-themed hotel, and that new 
hotel is basically going to be a massive new wing of the current Legoland Florida hotel, but it's going to be themed to Lego Pirates, and it's going to have an all-new restaurant and a new entry portal just for that hotel. It is being billed as a separate hotel. We view it as a separate hotel uh, just because there's different check-in desk. There's another adults bar going to be there, um, restaurant, all all new stuff coming to the Lego Pirates Hotel, and that is set to open in early 2020. If you'd like to see some concept art on that, head on over to wildgravitytravels.com and check out the concepts on that, or head to our social accounts where you can get the links to that to the page as well. So that about wraps up the news, and tonight we're going to talk about... Uh, Obsessive fans, and that's going to be our special talking point uh, for this podcast. So we're going to uh, dive into some of the parks uh, with the most obsessive fans, good and bad, uh, for all the parks listed. So stay tuned. We will dive into that next. Okay, so we're going to get into our special talking point for tonight, uh, which is obsessive park fans, and these are related to specific parks. Um, This is not meant to be disrespectful towards anybody or any park in particular. Um, These are just the parks that I've seen from personal experience. They have some really devoted super fans. Uh, Some may say fanboys. Those are definitely out there for every park, and I know... Uh, I'm going to leave out parks that you may have felt while visiting as a guest from another area that the fans there are obsessive or they are a little off-putting, and and that exists everywhere, but these are the places I've noticed it most prevalent, and uh, some of the things that I see kind of sweeping through the park's Um, on individual examples. So we're going to get into some of the most obsessive fans and uh, in all the parks. So we start with um, Seas, and that is the SeaWorld Parks. Um, That includes Busch Gardens. The Seas people, they're good people, and they do mean well, as many park fans do. They love their parks. They love SeaWorld, and uh, they've had to go at, to great lengths to defend SeaWorld at certain points, especially after some sad events uh, took place. And those who know what I'm talking about know what they've gone through. Uh, and it, it's a fight. They fight the good fight, and that's that's what's good about the Seas people. Um, they fight for true con- conservation. Uh, sadly, they sort of lost their way uh, not too long ago. Uh, blaming, in my opinion, blaming leadership for things that wasn't leadership's fault. And now we are seeing C's parks turn everything around. They had really low attendance numbers, really low profit margins, if any, actually negative, I believe, at certain points. Um, Their stock prices were headed down the drain. Um, And that was thanks to, in my opinion, Dan Brown. He kind of started all that uh, after some sad events, the tragedy uh, at Shamu Stadium. But once we got uh, we got Joel Mamby at Seas Parks, he was, a, he was a good leader, and he was trying to bring rides to the parks and, and special events. 
and he did succeed in starting that trend, and now they are continuing that trend because they've found that it works. But the Loyalists, um, some of the big fans of Seas, constantly lobbied for Joel to be ousted, and some of the creative people constantly creating great rides like Mako and Infinity Falls, um, those people were ousted, and they were actually ousted before Infinity Falls ever opened. So, it's sad. Uh, they, they, In my opinion, a lot of them lost their way. They stuck to the true, we want shows, we want classic SeaWorld. And in today's theme park and entertainment industry, especially Orlando, that just doesn't survive when you've got IPs moving in next door. And now we're starting to see the numbers turn around for Seas Parks, especially in Orlando. Um, and to me, that's a sign that the plan was working. So, sadly, they are no longer with the company, uh, Joel Mamby and a few of the other, his leadership crew that he brought in. I'm not saying everything he did was good. Um, definitely uh, partnering with a few organizations probably wasn't the best idea, and I know that's what truly infuriated some of the, true, the big fans of the parks. Next up, we have Cedar Point. And Cedar Point is the roller coaster capital of the world. That is their marketing brand. Um, but just a fun fact, I, I did a little personal research um, in the past couple weeks, and I've done it and watch, kind of watched from afar uh, over the course of several times. At the mention of Cedar Point, one in every 15 people, the first thing they know about Cedar Point is their mar the name of uh, Tony Clark. And Tony is a great guy. He's a wonderful, nice guy. Um, and the fans kind of pioneered a new idea, and it was all started by Tony, uh, uh, that you could get obsessed with a marketing person and that that marketing person would unlock great perks and show you the behind-the-scenes that everybody wanted to see so bad. Um, you know, back in the day, it was... Not back in the day. Not I'm not trying to sound old. Um, but before... It was always, you were part of a good club, a respected club of the park, and that's how you got in to do things. Now it's, how much can you kiss up to Tony, or a, your marketing person, to get what you want, um, whether you're a blogger or just a, an everyday guest. Um, he, uh, he, he, like I said, he's a great guy, and he's great at his job, but... At what point have those fans truly taken Cedar Point's obsession too far? Like, why are we obsessed with a marketing person instead of the park? And I know the fans love the park. They see no wrong in the park. Um, everybody has their own opinion, and they're entitled to it, for sure. Um, these are mine, and it's going to sound like a ranting for a while as we go through the list and continue to move through the list. But I just kind of see that one as... Uh, as really awkward, and it seems to be spreading through the industry. And that brings us to our next example, and that's Kings Island, just about three and a half hours away from Cedar Point. Three hours if, if you're moving pretty quick. But, um, and that's another Cedar Fair Park, which I've gotten to know very closely uh, over the second half of the season, uh, June to December, as we move to the area of Kings Island. And, uh, the first thing I notice is there's many like kind of small-time amateur bloggers, and they do great things. Uh, I've mentioned a few of them on our videos. Uh, Coaster Matt Productions is a good friend of mine. Uh, 
but they've they've sprung up around King's Island. I I can't quite figure out why. Maybe it's just the area. Uh, but down here at King's Island, we have Don Helbig. Um, Chad is kind of new to the whole marketing thing, but Don is kind of Mr. Cincinnati. Uh, he seems to know and love everything Cincinnati. People follow him to the ends of the earth. He's a nice guy, and he's great at what he does, uh, great at the marketing, great at telling the story. He knows lots of King's Island history. Um, he was a good choice uh, to kind of succeed the paramount days of marketing people who were greatly respected at King's Island. But uh, the fans follow him and what he says to the ends of the Miami River Valley, and that's the local river here, and it's kind of an inside joke. Uh, there are uh, clicks worse than Cedar Point down here, um, or up here, depending on where you're listening from. Uh, they're worse than Cedar Point here, in my opinion. The clicks of fan bases, uh, they're all pretty friendly, but some of them, I've noticed, don't get along with others very nicely. It's almost like the Orlando theme park area where you have... Uh, different groups, and we're going to get into that in just a few minutes too. Um, but so you've got the uh, you've got the clicks, and you've got the the buddy buddy groups, and now we've got a Facebook pass holder group for Kings Island, and uh, you'll you'll know what's happening around Kings Island if you follow just a few people from the Cincinnati area because their fans are devoted, their pass holders are devoted, and if the pass holder group doesn't want you to know something or doesn't want you to share it. They're definitely going to shut you down too, um, but the uh, Don is definitely Mr. Cincinnati, um, in my opinion. He kind of self-appointed himself that role, in my opinion as well. Uh, he kind of makes all the rules for Kings Island, even though he's the marketing guy, um, and I suppose that's fine from uh, wanting to preserve image. But there's a certain point where you're just crossing a line, and I've seen both. Uh, Mark, Ohio marketing people do that in a few aspects. So we'll see. Uh, and I, again, I have the utmost respect for anybody that works in marketing at a park because I've seen how obsessive fans can come up to them and ask questions and everything like that. So that wraps up Kings Island. And now we move back to Florida, a uh, place that we lived, Brent and I lived for 10 plus years, a little over 10 years. Um, and we're going to start with Universal Orlando. And just like we talked about having an obsessed uh, fan base getting obsessed more with a marketing person instead of the park, Universal Orlando went through that phase um, a couple years back now. And they went through it for a good couple years, actually, with a marketing person and social media representative uh, pretending and thinking he was God. And that was literally how he felt uh, there were meeting, there were special events at Universal Orlando that I went to, and the line to get a picture with him was longer than the line for some of the best rides and stuff like that, uh, or some of the most exclusive things happening during the special event, which, I mean, that's, that's just obsessive to me. Uh, people are people, and, you know, no matter your religion, if you have one or whatnot, it's a little obsessive. Uh, he ascended to the power so much that a power-hungry, cash-grabbing, loaded blogger kind of went after him and basically uh, convinced him to leave marketing at Universal Orlando and being mugged by fans to being an icon of an Orlando blog uh, that 
will claim they cover all of Orlando, but it seems pretty Universal-focused. But that's for another episode. Uh, so back to like just the Universal Orlando uh, fans. Uh, they love to hate Walt Disney World, and that is the group that I'm mainly talking about. I know there's tons of people in Florida that love all of the parks in Florida. They like going to all the parks in Florida, and those are the people that we should all aspire to be. Um, I was one of those people. It took me a while to get to that point. I went through certain phases of liking certain parks more. Um, but they, you know, there's still Universal fans that will find every little thing wrong with Disney. They'll make fun of Disney for some of the things they do, and I realize Disney deserves to be made fun of, but so does Universal in some aspects. Um, it's funny to think that we didn't see a whole lot of Universal fanboys come out of the woodwork until Harry Potter, and that's that's just from my observing standpoint. I could be completely wrong about that, uh, but... To me, I didn't really start to notice the obsessive fan base of Universal until Harry Potter. So we'll, we'll leave that right at that statement. Um, in, in Florida, though, favoritism towards positive is always happening, even if the positivity is a lie. And that's, again, that's probably a conversation for our, our blogger episode and talking about being a good blogger, um, hopefully doing that next month. Um, but the Universal fans seem to be most guilty of the everything is awesome until the next big thing comes out. And that's if it isn't awesome. I mean, and I realize it's all opinion-based, but, I mean, you could give the fans of the park a bench that moves around in front of a screen and tell them it's, it's our great new ride, and they'll believe you. They'll, they'll, they'll take your word for it, and they will defend the park, saying they built the best ride they could. Um, and don't say the, dare say the word screens around a Universal Orlando fanboy because the first thing they're going to do is tell you everything wrong with Disney. So you have those people, and that's Universal for you. Moving just down I-4, we have Walt Disney World. So their fans are just as obsessive, probably the leading fans of obsessive behavior, and they all have their own thing. Uh... If you ask a Walt Disney World fanboy about Universal, their first response is that Universal Orlando is a dirty, scummy place. Um, and again, everything that Disney builds is awesome, and everything Universal builds is terrible. And that's, you know, that's that's the defini pure definition of a fanboy, honestly, in my opinion. So that's how we get to that point. Uh, Disney fans, though, Disney World fans, uh, they love to snub their noses a lot more. They feel like they're the rich, entitled side of Florida theme parks. Uh, they like to say, look at our passes, look at our after-hours events, you know, oh, you're getting priced out, you shouldn't be going to Disney anyway if you can't afford it, too bad for you, you know, they, they like to be that upper-class feel, uh, a lot of them do. And again, this isn't speaking about any everybody in any example that I've provided, uh, but Disney seems to be the most guilty of that, of that elitist feel, in my opinion. Uh, then we have the collectors of Disney, and these collectors will literally go to any event out there that Disney has. Disney could say it's Epcot's 22nd and a half birthday, which is well past us, and they're going to sell exclusive pins for the 20, 22 and a half year birthday of Epcot, and uh, I guarantee you there'll be a three-hour line to get pins. 
or to get Vinylmations, or whatever the current collector's item is at Disney. And it's useless junk made in China. I guess collectivity and value is in the eye of the beholder. Um, but the funniest thing is, Disney will say you can only buy 10. People will be in line as soon as they get a picture of the item they're about to buy 10 of, 9 of them will be on eBay. So the collector community has actually turned more into profit, and I can't fault anybody for being capitalistic and you know capitalizing on that opportunity, but they're definitely not considerate of the other fans of the community, uh, their own kind. They're, they're very dismissive of their own kind in the community because they put stuff on eBay. Um, and they might keep one for themselves, or they may sell them on eBay to give the money to charity, is the story some will tell you. Or they're going to do giveaways, and they're going to, or they're going to donate it straight to charity. And while some probably do that, I guarantee you, ninety percent of them just want to say that to make themselves feel better. Um, bloggers are more key here, and again, we're going to talk a lot more about bloggers in another episode. But bloggers and vloggers and video bloggers—they're more key here, and. Uh, they will, if you encounter a blogger and you're just a regular guest or you're just uh, a regular person at the park, a blogger will name drop or will tell you who they are, what their website is, um, and they will brag themselves up so much so that they can get where they want to go or be where they want to be. Uh, this is a personal experience thing. I've had bloggers uh, while waiting for Disney parades or Disney night shows tell me, uh, that I needed to move out of their way so that they could get a video of a fireworks show. Um, and I'm like, the fireworks are up in the sky, but, you know, they proceeded to tell me who they were, and now I know who they are, and I won't forget who they are, but that's not a good thing, because to me that's just selfish, and if you really want to be a good blogger, you should probably get there early enough to get a good spot, especially if you call yourself an expert on Disney. Uh but we will blog Mickey that for another day. Uh, so that's uh, that's the whole blogger thing there. And again, the, just the Disney World fans are entitled. So while we talk about Universal and Disney World fans uh, like always being at war with each other, I'm going to kind of wrap up our main content of this with some social groups, as they call themselves, out on the West Coast. Um, the Disneyland social groups, and there are several of them, uh, they are basically gang-like people, that groups that run around Disneyland. And I love Disneyland, and I've seen them. And some of them are good, you know, but there's always the ones that reflect a bad light. The groups have threatened each other with trying to get each other banned. There was a lawsuit filed last year. Um, but they were like jean vests and patches, and they picked characters that embody them and i get it fan, being a fan of anything you you dive full into it and it's great that they have that but you know when it crosses that line of threatening other groups because your group is better than the other group or you need to stop doing this and uh you know it's just kind of like a turf war almost out at disneyland when you see those uh disneyland social groups which have been nicknamed by many as the disneyland gangs so that's my uh, main uh, group of places that I've kind of noticed obsessive fans. Uh, again, it's not meant to be mean or uh, mad or uh, kind of negative towards those people. It's just the things that I've noticed. 
Um, to be better as a theme park community, we really all need to focus and uh, focus on the positives. And I, you know, not lie about the negatives being positive. You know, just kind of look through everybody else's viewpoint, see why they like what they like, and try to understand each other's opinions and get along. Um, a few honorable mentions I'll, I'll bring up real quick. Uh, the Southern California area, and that excludes Disneyland, Knott's Berry Farm, but more specifically Six Flags Magic Mountain. They used to have a big group of fans. I think they still do. Um, I've never lived out there. I, I've never really interacted. I've just known that they have their fans that think Six Flags Magic Mountain has the greatest coasters out there. And Six Flags Magic Mountain does have a great collection of coasters. Um, but I, I don't know that it's the best collection, even though they have the most now, I guess. But um, that's that's probably an honorable mention. Kennywood also. Uh, I know those Pittsburgh fans are very loyal. They're very dedicated, much like with their sports teams. I can relate to that being a Pittsburgh sports fan. Uh, so that's, that's about it for the... Um, honorable mentions and the obsessive fans uh what do you think do you have any feedback do you think i was too negative um was i too positive do you think i should have said more uh send in your questions through anchor.fm through the app you can send a question on this episode and i can include it in the next episode you can hear yourself you can write a post on any of our social platforms and again check us out on any of the podcasts i listed at the beginning of this episode and um be sure to stay tuned for our episode next week. We'll be providing the uh, the news of the week that has come out, and I realize it's the off-season for a lot of parks in the country, but we'll be providing uh, the news from around the parks, and Brent will be with us, I hope, uh, with a Dubai trip report. He is over there for work, but he'll be giving us a little bit of rundown. I think we'll be talking Warner Brothers, what he can talk about. Um on the next episode so he'll be giving us a little bit of trip report on that and we've got a couple other guest trip reports coming up later in the month so you definitely want to subscribe to that uh brian mr brian orlando will be going to uh i believe it's china or japan he's going to some asian parks um and he'll be on the uh show to talk about his experiences with that so be sure to stay tuned and Thanks for following. Check out our website, wildgravitytravels.com. Check out our YouTube page for tons of videos, uh, past and present, as I get some more posted. Um, and uh, be sure to uh, subscribe to our social pages. That's the easiest way to get news on what we post on the website. Uh, thanks for listening again. Have a great week ahead, and I'll talk to you next week.